hey, somebody stole the horn from the whistle factory. <laughs> <laughs> Howdy and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Michael Winfield and with me as always is Richard Manfredi. Hello. And Jeff Hopkins. What's up? Usually, Richard and myself uh, spend our days locked in nonsensical combat as we try to determine the Mount Rushmores of life, the four things that best represent a certain topic. But now, the tables have turned. Usually, Jeff is our judge, but we decided to give him a taste of his own medicine and make him a contestant against Richard in the subject of non-verbal sidekicks. Whose idea was this? It was mine, but Richard's told me I'm his sidekick for this episode and therefore may not speak. <laughs> I think it's a pretty easy win for me, you guys. <laughs> so was... let's see. Uh, Richard's first, and then uh, Jeff is... Okay, so Richard's second pick is... And Jeff, he's, mention- he's motioning to the door... Uh-oh. I can honk a series of horns and knee symbols and things. Two like words. First word. Two <laughs> syllables. So, Jeff, uh, what made you, what was the impetus for coming up with this? What made you come up with the idea of, uh, well, that this would be a good topic? A because I'm s- seriously doubting it right now. <laughs> I am fascinated with um, characters that support other characters and like sidekicks. And I'm kind of fascinated with, uh, in the business of show, meaning movies and television, a lot of characters are tell characters where they, especially in TV, there's a lot of dialogue that drives everything. And I love these performers who take on these characters that can uh, use their show skills, you in show business and emote and communicate without a bunch of dialogue. And I've always been drawn to those characters because they're often very loyal if they're a sidekick. And they're often very uh, much used for comic relief or for moving plot along. So I always, always love them. So that's because I love them. That's really insightful. So Jeff's characters are all going to make fart noises. Richard. Yes. <laughs> why don't you start us off? All right. I'll start us off. And my first one is Gromit from the Wallace and Gromit. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's a good one. A series of shorts and also movies and t-shirts and... Thirty dollars toys and God knows what else. <laughs> That's a what uh, Aardvark? What's the uh, production? Aardman. Aardman. Yeah, it is. Um, I think they've been doing these for about twenty years now. There was like a stretch where basically it won the best. It would win the uh, best short animation every Oscar every year for like five years straight. Yeah. Mm. But if you guys have not seen it, I'm sure you guys have. Wallace and Gromit is a British kind of, I guess, claymation. Is that what that's called? Yeah. Um, type animation. Very, very funny. Very well done. Kind of one of those ones where they get that right balance between sort of it's great for the kids, but there's also enough stuff in there that the adults can feel comfortable kind of watching it. And so Gromit is the dog of uh, Wallace, who is a kind of absent-minded inventor, kind of invents a lot of things that are needless, don't work well, and usually it's up to Gromit to save the day. Yeah. Is this New Zealandish or is it English? I don't... I believe it's English. The British or like the British sensibility, I think, even extends towards Kiwis and Australians. I, yeah, I think by I think culturally, the tinkerer, the inventor, is someone in England who is a fun character. Think of Caractacus Potts from Chitty Chitty Bang Yeah, we Bang talked Bang. about that. Yeah, there's like a, a a weird. Yeah, I think the Fraggle Rock was one of those productions that was localized in different countries, and so in Russia, he's a chemist, hmm. and in uh, England, he's a tinkerer. I believe. In, yeah. There's one 
place where he's a pharmacist or something. Maybe that's Russia, but mm. in England he's a tinkerer. You in know, Japan, he has a dog. Yeah, in you know, Japan those, he sells uh, used panties. Yeah, <laughs> those famous <laughs> Russian scientists. I guess that's strange. I but, love that choice. Uh, I love Gromit's uh, long suffering. Yeah, because uh, he's usually the he's the straight man or straight dog. I yeah. suppose. Yeah. A lot, of, um, a lot of eye rolls within that. Yeah, I mean, that's... Sides they, to the camera just like, can't yeah, one thing stuck in this mess. Nick Park, the uh, creator and animator, originally was going to have a voice for Gromit, and then he realized it actually works better just having to communicate with like an eye roll or mm-hmm. raising his eyebrow or something like that. He's a graduate of Dogwarts University. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it came out later. And he's, he's got... His favorite book is Engineering for Dogs. And he has like a whole library of like these great, you know, classic books and everything mm-hmm. like that. And I think it's it's just this great example of like you said, Jeff, the uh, how the the silence doesn't necessarily have to be a barrier from communication with the audience. It can actually, in a lot of ways, make it more more of a connection, I suppose, yeah. because it transcends language. Yeah, you can put yourself in their at least physicality, and you can understand stand that in a way that maybe language, you know, a, a weird voice would kind of throw you off. Or hmm. yeah, I mean, and plus. It's a cute dog. Yeah. Who doesn't like dogs? <laughs> yeah. Well, I like dogs too. And my first choice uh, was a dog. And that is Snoopy from the Charles Schultz animated comic strip and films, Peanuts. And I, as a kid, I, I called those shows Snoopy because he was such uh, so much my favorite character. So I didn't uh, call him Charlie Brown or Peanuts. It was Snoopy because I thought he was the kind of runaway character in that. I. I think too that with the uh, the Snoopy uh, snow cone machine, which was like yeah, such a stra- incredible, yeah. it's such a strange like iconic thing that either you had one or someone you knew had one. Yeah, and I can understand why it would why Snoopy would be how you refer to it. What are you mm-hmm. going to play? I'm going to go watch Snoopy because he was the yeah. animal dog. I think, uh, when I think of um, what sidekicks can do, sometimes they I've well spoiler I've got some sidekicks who operate as the conscious of the the uh, primary character and snoopy was so liberated from his master <laughs> snoopy would be flying in a biplane was he the master <laughs> ultimately he he kind of ran charlie yeah. brown's life in, if in you get that, down to it in that peanuts was very ahead of its time because it, it 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 had young children with an existential examination of life and experiencing things like depression and uh, heartbreak and all these things. Yeah, if Proust had done a comic strip, <laughs> it would be Peanuts. Yeah. The, the um, Snoopy was never anchored by any of the, the problems that Charlie Brown was. Snoopy was, was always off being a rock star or doing all things. So whenever you saw an animated special or even in the comic... I almost think Snoopy was the predecessor to Calvin and Hobbes because he sure. was just off doing whatever the hell he wanted to. He even had his own damn sidekick, Woodstock. So. Oh, say, oh, by the way, I am so glad you didn't choose Woodstock. Okay. <laughs> Any animal that speaks in just exclamation points. <laughs> Ugh, no, thank you. And then what, what does Snoopy had? Uh, his cousin, or is a what was the one that lived out in Needles? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, the what? creepy one with the mustache. Yeah, yeah. The I don't guys. trust Several, that guy. They would bring them in. It was like the uh, yeah, the, the cousin Oliver. Yeah, yeah. of the Peanuts scripts. <laughs> um, what I think is funny is that uh, Peanuts was rife with sidekicks. I remember Peppermint Patty had Marcy in the proto and le- lesbian relationship that we would uh, grow to under- respect and understand as we got older. But, sure. So I think it's just funny that that maybe it's the longevity of that comic which lent itself to charles schultz wringing his hair and then adding these extra characters <laughs> and can i interest you in some uh on some insurance 
<laughs> or maybe a Dolly Madison snack, <laughs> or maybe any of the other 50 yeah. things that they had Snoopy. The, that was another thing. That was like a character who just sold shit. Sold stuff, yeah. <laughs> I mean, for... I was like the maybe like well I know it wasn't one of the first kid, kids characters to do that because mm-hmm. Howdy Doody was probably selling yeah Marlboros or something but <laughs> yeah. as a kid I just remember Snoopy being one of the only like kids characters Howdy Doody sold stuff yeah. Howdy Doody was selling cigarettes that accidentally let himself on fire at the end of it he <laughs> the irony smoked smoked it down to the uh, to the filter and then kept going and that, then that was he the was on on fire Howdy Doody behind the music. Okay, Jeff, that's your first. Uh, Richard, what's your second? All right, my second is Wilson, the oh, wow. volleyball <laughs> from Castaway. This is really good. Um, I, I can't think of a better performance from a piece of sporting equipment <laughs> in a movie ever. Do you remember when Wilson's evil cousin used to come over to the island with a mustache? And the, oh, no, wait, that was a different Spalding? <laughs> yeah, I remember him. Voight. Yeah, I, then the story behind Wilson is the screenwriter, screenwriter actually... Had himself marooned on a beach for a week to see if he could survive. Like, did one of those, like, man versus wild sort of, mm-hmm. like, control. But... Wait, marooned on a beach? Like, you mean, like, Temecula? Like, like, or like where? <laughs> I don't know where. I don't have, I don't have his travel itinerary. He was, he was at the Four but... Seasons in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. How do you do that? How do you truly tell your assistant, maroon me? Okay, cancel my, my Friday and maroon me. <laughs> I mean, maroon me. I mean, don't, don't maroon me, but... Maroon me. Maroonish me. Why is Adam Levine here? <laughs> no, that's a question everybody wants to know. <laughs> so this really happened. Yeah, no, he uh, stayed on this beach for to, just to try to learn, like, okay, if you were stranded, what would be your things you'd need to do to survive? Yeah. And while he was there, a beach ball, or a, a volleyball actually washed up on the beach. That's wild. And he sort of realized that it was the perfect way to kind of describe how it's like just insanely lonely you would get. Mm. And also from a story standpoint, it was a way to kind of give Tom Hanks a reason to be talking to something. Yeah. Oh, get yeah. the, get the exposition out mm-hmm. talking to a beach ball. Or yeah. A, other a than just talking to himself, which yeah. you probably would if you were stuck on a, you know, desert Island for years, but it kind of gave this sort of structure to it. And then he, it winds up becoming this character. Yeah. I mean, they're spoiler alert. The scene where he loses Wilson when he's trying to, when he's getting on the raft at the end, that's like, you know, they treat it like, like a person is dying. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets the whole swelling strings and yeah. no, come back type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really heartbreaking. Yeah. And you, and you feel it, which is kind of incredible because it's a goddamn volleyball. Yeah. You know, what's funny is when actors talk about doing visual effects scenes where they have to interact with a uh, tennis ball or something that will be the stand in for the Hulk or Godzilla or something to be CG and then later. I, I always wonder what's easier. Like if you would, if you asked Tom Hanks, who's easier to work with Wilson, the volleyball or Meg Ryan, would you probably say, eh, I'd rather work with a volleyball. Honestly, Depends, depends which, depends which Meg Ryan. <laughs> That's true. Le- later in life, Meg Ryan later or like life, sleepless. Are we talking? Yeah. Sleepless Meg Ryan is probably there, well, like, but who's you've got male with? Meg Ryan. Uh, Denzel Washington <laughs> or a volleyball. Yeah. You're like, I'd pick the volleyball over Hooch, you know, from Turner Hooch. <laughs> right. And actually they, uh, last year he was like a New York Rangers game and they had him on screen doing like a wave. And then somebody threw him Wilson. Oh, that's hilarious. It was like the kiss cam thing. And he grabbed it and smiled and hugged it. How does that even happen? They happen. To I'm a... sure it was a sticky thing. Yeah. I'm sure it was a planned thing. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So can I do my next one? Uh, yeah, Jeff. Uh, as the judge, why don't we move you along to your next one? How about number two, Jeff? 
Uh oh. Before he jumps in here. This You're clown sorry. doesn't know what he's doing. Sorry, I don't mean Can't believe it. No, no, I don't I don't actually care. Okay, so uh, my second choice is Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy. I just watched this the other night. Did you really? Yeah, I could have watched something uh like new, but I was like, F that. Okay. And, <laughs> Go watch a good movie. And now I guess the question is uh Groot speaks the same verse for the most of Groot says the same thing. Groot is verbal. But what he says ultimately is nonsensical. So he might as well just be emoting some other way. When when you sent me the list of, of which characters you were gonna choose, I didn't I for one second, I for whatever reason, I I was like, no, nah, I'll allow it. Okay. Yeah. If you you, you gotta talk us into it, but um, is this I'm kinda on your side. Well ultimately Groot Groot no, says, I, I am Groot, then later he says we are Groot. So that's, that's called character. Yeah. It's yes, called, that's called <laughs> development. That's his development. Yeah, he grew. But literally he, he grew. grew. He grew. <laughs> what I love about Groot is he is whoever he needs to be at the time, both uh, from a physiological standpoint and from an emotional standpoint. He is sometimes like one of my favorite nonverbal. Well, this is debatable. Um, Chewbacca. I always think of um, Chewbacca, whether he's verbal or nonverbal. We don't really know what he's saying and other characters will help us know. But what he always is, is the conscience of another character. So Groot makes commentary that reveal that the other characters respond to, which reveal their attitudes. So if somebody says, eh, we're not going to help those people, Groot says, I am Groot. And then the person says, what we know Groot ultimately said was, we should help those people. Or right. here, So he operates as this, this conscience. And he also operates as a murderous henchman. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So a giant murderous tree. Yeah. And um, one thing that... Uh, what uh, made me, I, I have this really quickie analysis of why I love Guardians of the Galaxy so much, and I'll, I'll kind of make it quick. Um, because uh, for me, when I discovered, when I was examining why I like Groot so much, I realized I liked him as much as I liked Andre the Giant in The Prince's Bride. Mm. And that's when I realized Guardians of the Galaxy is The Prince's Bride. Uh, because there is this ragtag band of misfits. Uh, one character uh, is a big a big guy like Groot, who is like the Andre the Giant character, who is hanging around with a little guy, and uh, meaning Rocket, all, and all those of Wallace Shawn in that <laughs> right. movie. Then you have a, a character like Inigo Montoya and Drax both share a revenge vendetta, and they're out to get the person who killed their loved one. And that is their motive, and they have to be kind of convinced along with this mission to accomplish that motive. The lead character is a pirate who was kidnapped by pirates, ultimately. He's out for, for booty and loot and anything he can get. And also booty. You and know also what I mean? booty. <laughs> so that's one reason that I love that film, and that's one reason that I love that character, uh, because I felt like he was both henchman and conscience at the same time. Have you guys seen the DVD extra outtakes with Vin Diesel recording the... Uh, oh, God, no. Oh, please do yourself a favor and, and watch this, because it's legitimately he is sitting there... You know, recording the I Am Groots over and over yeah. and like having like discussions <laughs> with the director about what the character is thinking at the time and how he should be saying I Am Groot. That's amazing. It is really amazing. Which, But again, if you think about it, he still has to emote and yeah. act and do all that stuff. Yeah. He just has the same three words to do it. Yeah. So I, t to be fair to Vin Diesel, that is honorable. That he actually took the, didn't just, yeah okay, take three, I am Groot. Got that? <laughs> Next one, I am Groot. Yeah. So he actually like 
recognize that part of the learned his the subtext. Sh- yeah, I, I wonder for the upcoming sequel if they're going to have a more of an expansive character where mm-hmm. if you know he's starting out as this little seedling baby Groot as they've been calling him yeah but like you know in the pictures or in you know still photos for the mm-hmm. you know he's hang he's there i wonder if they they are going to be able to is he going to be learned more so yeah. than he was to be able to say more than i am Groot or we are Groot? is then, he going to be a, an actual talking character well do you think that will ruin it for you if like this now that he has this, you know, kind of smallish family and yeah. can learn from a thing, and if he becomes an actual person, does that uh-huh. does that kind of like, I don't know. I wonder if he'll even learn that. Why would mm. he even learn? So somebody taught him I am Groot, and he was like, done, English, done, got yeah. it. So I wonder if he'll, since he's been rebooted. I mean, he's already learning to dance. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he'll, uh, maybe he'll learn from a British guy, and they'll have Michael Caine voice him for the third one. <laughs> Master Wayne. All right, now we're at halftime, and uh, now's the time that we'd uh, like to remind everyone to uh, check out our Twitter account at uh, Mount Rushmore Pod, and uh, follow us on Facebook as well, where we occasionally get into conversations with um, the four people that we know. (laughs) Um, We're also on um, Instagram, and uh, we just kind of want to invite everyone to uh, like us and uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, the iTunes kind of really helps us find a larger audience, and we're always trying to share more of our insights and wit and lack thereof uh, with more people. So if you could uh, write us a nice review. Yeah, and share the love. If you, if you like the show, tell somebody. Yeah. That your, That'd be cool. Your opinion kind of counts more than um, our requests. And we're back. Richard is now motioning to himself silently that he is going to have the third pick or he's asking for three hot dogs. I don't know. Which one is it, Richard? I want a 30-second timeout. That's right. Quick. <laughs> um, so my third one is Harpo Marx. Oh, awesome. Wow. I thought that was the deep cut. I've got that one, too. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was hard to read from Jeff because it was like, awesome, dot, dot, dot. Cool. Oh, yeah, that one's mine. <laughs> uh, Je- uh, Richard, what do you like about Mr. Marx? Well, I think he is the classic archetype for the comedic, you know, mute character. Mm-hmm. He's kind of the contrast to the hyperverbal Groucho Marx. So you need somebody who's there who can do the sight gags, do all the kind of prop work and stunt work and kind of do all the physical comedy. Yeah. That's really what his, his wheelhouse was along with playing harp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you need somebody to play harp. You got to have every movie. Yeah. 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 Do you remember Abbott and Costello and Harpy? Yeah. Remember I, that? I missed that one. Yeah. Well, they lost Harpy like earlier on. And they just cut down Abbott. Hey, Abbott, where's the harp? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mo. Hey, harp, harpster. Uh, oh, how many Marx? There's what four four Marx Brothers, right? Or four or five? There was five nine, at, 19, one, at one point. At one point, yeah. yeah. There was a Gummo and a Zeppo, but they were, were rarely part of the yeah, film. The film. They had um. They were all kind of chattermouths. Like they all kind of ran their mouths, except mm-hmm. for Harpo. Harpo. And apparently, Harpo got his kind of turned into a mute character when they cut his larynx. No, <laughs> he turned into a mute character. Because he couldn't remember his lines. Oh, is that right? Wow. Yeah. So they basically said, okay, you can't remember your lines. You're going to be a silent character. Uh, and that's what you're going to yeah. do. Yeah. That's a great workaround. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> Pretty good. And he was also a, a, a harpist of interesting techniques. 
apparently he taught himself how to play harp. Mm-hmm. It was like something he bought at like a five and dime store. And no one in his neighborhood knew how to play it or tune it. Mm-hmm. So he had tuned, he wound up tuning it in this really like, cause he played piano. He wound up tuning it in this way that was completely different than how anyone else playing harp would. Did hmm. not know that. And it was also super tight. So if anyone else tried to play it, they'd probably like cut their fingers oh, on, wow. the, <laughs> on the strings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's also, um, was a croquet player in the, in the U S croquet hall of fame. Did he learn to play croquet by himself with weird size balls and a weird size mallet? Well, he would just he would, he would just like honk at it, and the balls would go flying. So that's so cool. You know, I, I chose Harpo. One, I'm fascinated with the Marx Brothers because as a as a kid, you the films are always billed as a Marx Brothers movie, but they never played brothers. They already they often played people who are very much at odds with each other. Sure, like four <laughs> shysters who just kind of ran into each other, all all, all trying to scam the same people, and. One thing I loved about that was the chaos that Harpo was never used to advance the plot. He never could deliver exposition because you can't with a horn and a whistle. So <laughs> you I, can try. You can try. Hey, somebody stole the horn from the whistle factory. <laughs> <laughs> so he often just came in and just screwed everything up for everybody and created incredible chaos. Was he like? Was he? Is he analogous, analogous to Curly? In that way, that he's just yeah. an agent of chaos? An agent of chaos. I think so. He he never... Mo was the guy who got the job for him. Larry was just trying to do his best to do what Mo said. And then right. Curly was the guy who stuck a... Tongue in a light socket. Yeah. And you screwed a light bulb into his ear and it went on. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the reason I picked uh, Harpo... Um, he also elevated those films above vaudeville into sublime cinema at some point. Because... They were all essentially a vaudeville by way of Broadway hmm. turned into a movie, but they still had plenty of sight gags and shtick, and they still had things like schoolroom scenes or that were aspects of vaudeville or a scene where a uh, a guy is trying to get some money from a wealthy woman, you know, which is something out of vaudeville, or a guy chasing a nurse around, which is, is all, all vaudeville. Is there anything like that that? you think can happen today is there going to be a twitter account that becomes a youtube account that becomes a netflix show that becomes a oh, yeah, full, yeah. full live movie i well, mean didn't they have that tv show like the dog, sh- my, shit, shit my, my dad, dad said? says your dog yeah. with a blog or, oh i guess so yeah There's, what a strange evolution uh-huh. of just like media from stage to whatever to whatever yeah <laughs> well there's that movie green tone <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for Emoji the movie. Emoji the movie. It'll be oh, really good. I'm yeah, sure it's coming. <laughs> it's I so mean, if you can make battle, ba- Battleship into a movie, yeah. <laughs> what can't you make? Okay. Uh, anything else? or No, just uh, um, if, you, if you ever want to hear a, a musician espouse the virtues of Harpo, Jonathan Richmond has a fun song called When Harpo Played His Harp, and it touches a lot of the reasons why I love the Marx Brothers and why I love Harpo. Well, Jeff, why don't we move on to your fourth? Okay. And what choice would that be? Okay. So I, I suspected other people might choose this, but I wanted to choose it anyway because I love this character I have since I was a kid, and that's R2-D2 from Star Wars. Famous yeah, robot. Yeah, I definitely thought about it. Do you, do you agree with me that he's, I mean, he's vocal, but I don't know if he's verbal. I mean, we talked about it earlier with Chewbacca. I would say he's more of a nonverbal sidekick than Chewbacca uh. was. He has somebody who can translate for him, although I'm never quite sure if C-3PO I really is accurately translating. I, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think what's interesting about R2, and I'll jump in here, is that he, you can get what he's kind of saying by the way that Ben Burt 
kind of yeah. edited the way his sounds there are inflections and, yeah, yeah you could you could tell that he was when he was sad or wistful or like frightened yeah. or you know maybe it was his arms flailing about or his yeah. head exploding or whatever yeah. you know i he's in danger there <laughs> i would also say in as much as i respect all the actors from star wars careers star wars wasn't their best performance so if you want to say uh you know, R two D two is is emoting. I would say Ben Burt did a better performance than uh, Harrison Ford in that movie because right. he's he's playing a space cowboy character who who's kind of channeling John Wayne, and it's it's not it's pretty wooden. And R two is so expressive. Also, what I love about R two is he's as a in range in terms of a sidekick, he's doing a shitty job because he ultimately is a sidekick for a character that we don't even know that truly exists in when we first meet him in Star Wars is because he's ultimately kind of Anakin Skywalker's sidekick. We think you see 3PO's sidekick and he abandons him multiple times. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a man on his own mission, yeah. lit- literally on a very specific yeah. mission. And 3PO is just, he's so annoyed with him off off the bat. Yeah. And he's a good archetype because it's the archetype of the silent, um, the silent character who's the sidekick who's actually right all the time. Yeah. But the person who's talking never believes him mm-hmm. and always yeah. tries to insist that they're right and then won't give him credit whenever he's actually right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and God bless little Kenny Baker <laughs> for being crammed in that. And, you know, when he was slowly throughout the years, his role was, pardon the pun, was like downsized. Right. Yeah. Where eventually he was just like, okay, well, we're going to put you in here for two seconds to turn the head a little bit, but yeah. we don't need you in there to roll along. <laughs> but like for someone that was like for so many years, I mean, almost solely identified as R2-D2, you know, with uh-huh. a brief stint in Time Bandits. You know, I, I, I love Time Bandits, one of my favorite films, and I did look up Kenny Baker. I had met Kenny Baker briefly at a Star Wars con, and uh, if, if saying, Kenny Baker! is meeting Kenny Baker and having him turn and kind of wave his sausage finger hand at you. Um, but one thing I did was like look up his IMDb and, and because at the same con I met Anthony Daniels and between Kenny Baker and Anthony Daniels, uh, they both, you know, Anthony Daniels imagined himself to be this wonderful thespian. Oh, you know that, that Anthony Daniels hates Kenny Baker, right? Oh no, I didn't know that. There, there was no love loss really? between those two. Yeah. <laughs> Who would you take in a fight? <laughs> If they had slugged it out, do you think uh, I'd go? Yeah. Ken, I'd go Kenny Baker. He he fights fights dirty. I think, yeah, there'd be some there'd be some nuts nut shots. <laughs> like a lot of little people, they uh, um, who become actors, they didn't get all the best parts. And so, like I remember looking at Kenny Baker's IMDb, and it's like Flesh Gordon and like the erotic adventures of Hercules, and kind of like these <laughs> Troy McClure type roles. So, so God love him for just being in kind of a, the working man type of performer. I think the, I think the only unfortunate thing about like um, R2 and 3PO was that George Lucas kind of envisioned them as like this through line throughout the first three movies, like as like, oh, this is the audience's perspective. Like the Greek chorus. Yeah, and then carried it over until the prequels and just totally failed. Oh, like yeah. they were and they were in such like miscast and kind of useless and stupid positions that it was it was always like oh why did why did you do yeah. that to the like you didn't have and you didn't really have many people from the original trilogy in the prequels but the ones that you decided to bring over like you turned 
3PO into Anakin's droid and he's has his coverings all off. Yeah, and like, I mean, yeah. that makes no, it makes like no sense to do that. I've only seen the first prequel, mm. but I remember how excited everyone got when they saw C3PO, right? You know, the first time. Yeah. It was like, oh my God. Rah! And then, and, and then, they, not, then they just wasted him. <laughs> so yeah, R2D2, love him. And uh, I realized I picked my car based on his color. I got a blue <laughs> and white car and I didn't realize that. You're the best. Richard, is your fourth pick based, is your car based on your fourth pick? <laughs> I hope not because my fourth pick is Beaker. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> the oh, show. I love Beaker. Oh, um, so in the first season when they were of the Muppet show, when they would do the honey is do, Beaker the honey a do, Muppet? I'm not. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, in the first season of the Muppet Show, they would do the Muppet Lab seg- segment, and it would just be uh, Doctor Bunsen Honeydew. Then second season, they realized they kind of needed somebody to for him to play off. Oh, of. he wasn't mm. there in the first. Was not there oh. in the first season. Oh. No, only in the second season they bring him in, and uh, puppeted by Richard Hunt, uh, one of the uh, main Muppet puppeteers, and he is just there to get shit on. Basically, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's he is made perfectly to be the guy who get hair, get giant hair, mm-hmm. easy set on fire, mm-hmm. eyes bulge out already. So he already looks like he's about to uh, freak out. <laughs> he's got this downturned mouth. So whenever he starts going, by the way, by the way, out of all of the impressions that you've done on this podcast, your beaker is by far the best one. <laughs> I've been working on it for a couple of weeks. I it's wanted really to make good. sure we it's, got it. So It's sharp. Yeah, it's on point. And well, BeakerCon is coming up. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe he'll get that guy with a hand to wave at you with his sausage fingers. I understand the guy who does Bunsen Honeydew now and uh, the guy who does Beaker hate each other. <laughs> I, uh, I just love the rumors that we spread here on this podcast. Nerd rumors. Nerd rumors, yeah. <laughs> that's, our, that's our spinoff podcast, Nerd Rumors. But I, I just love, I mean, he's such a great comedic character. And they, every once in a while, they do something weird with him, like have him do a singing segment. Like in the first new Muppets movie, they had him at the telethon sing uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. <laughs> but of course, instead of singing, it's all me, 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 all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and it's just so like, it's great because you could tell that it was like a purpose designed character. And... So everything about him is, like I said, designed to like catch on fire or have something awful happen to him. I just realized how much he actually looks like a beaker right now. Yeah. Like I know his namesake is he's been a you know scientist with Dr. Bunsen. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sure he was designed in, I, with that or named with that in mind. I'm sure. I, I didn't put two and two together until like I'm just visually putting him in my head right now, thinking like he does kind of look like a beaker. <laughs> and that's I guess the thing for me with him is that another archetype, which is. This character that suffers in silence. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes, you know, the characters want to emote sadness or confusion or dislike. He is the embodiment of a character that has to silently embody fear and, you know, sadness and pain. Mm -hmm. So that's fun. Yeah. (laughs) What a great pick. In a world where, uh, I mean, this was prior to, I think, PETA and greater awareness regarding lab rats and animals and animal testing. Right. <laughs> He's the human guinea pig for Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. And I love named after the shape of his head, Honeydew M- Melon. Right. <laughs> That's a great choice. Uh, all right. Well, now it's uh, my turn in the show to name my choice. And uh, I've decided to go with um, a Disney character, um, Apu the monkey from uh, the movie Aladdin. Oh, yeah. And I think I... 
chose this because he, you know, he makes little monkey chittering sounds to kind of convey his annoyance or happiness. But I think the Disney animators are so good at conveying body language and movement. And it, it almost, I, I could have almost picked any Disney character because those guys and gals, like, they study so much. They study not only like animal movement, but there's so much that goes into looking at themselves in mirrors and, mm-hmm. and just looking at different, and the ability to transform that into everything seems to, you have to be able to tell the story without language, mm-hmm. uh, without music even at times. And I think that Disney does that better than just about any other. And definitely like Apu, this little monkey who, you know, is Aladdin sidekick, I think really does that very well. Yeah, it's a fun. I've only seen Aladdin once. I feel like uh, I need kind of my Disney employee card revoked if I reveal right. that. <laughs> I do remember that that character being very much along, kind of suffering alongside Aladdin, and then supporting Aladdin, and having obviously some kind of simian characteristics, but very human, like every animal sidekick is in Disney. Yeah, and he's got like a little little jacket too. <laughs> He's got that little hat. Oh, couture is a category that we can <laughs> <Right>. discuss. <laughs> and then who, who grinds the organ? Is that him? <laughs> um, all right. Now, uh, let me uh, recap quickly our, um, our four choices by each of our uh, contestants. Um, Richard uh, chose Gromit from Wallace and Gromit. Harpo Marx from the Brothers Marx. Uh, Wilson, the volleyball from Castaway. And Beaker from the Muppets slash the Muppet Show slash every Muppet movie. Um, Jeff's, uh, also chose Harper Marx from the Marx Brothers, uh, Groot, the, uh, tree creature from Guardians of the Galaxy, R2, D2, R2, D2. Oh, R2. Oh, R2. That, that impression's pretty good, too. <laughs> um, R2 from, uh, I, the Star Warses. If we ever do the suggested, uh, Mount Rushmore of, uh, fictitious valets... <laughs> And butlers, that's what I want to see, 3PO. <laughs> and uh, Richard's uh, final choice was, uh, or Jeff's, Jeff's final choice was uh, Snoopy from Snoopy. <laughs> Not from anything else. Snoopy. From, from the Snoopy ice cream, cream machine. And, uh, you know, this acting as judge is harder than you think. And I don't have, like, a really good sense of, I can't tie it up the way that you do, Jeff. Like, usually you have, Nobody like, can. This... <laughs> Nobody can. So, um. Nobody chooses to. And although, uh. Part of me would love to uh, spite Richard <laughs> and choose you, Jeff. Um, I, as soon as Richard said Wilson, the yeah. volleyball, I realized that he was thinking on a different level. Yeah. And I don't think I would have chosen something as, as unique yeah. and out of the box and something that I really love when, with my choices on the show. I think I, I, I saw it in a Richard's choice. So congratulations, Richard Manfredi. Awesome. Winner of this week's episode. So I'd just like to thank everyone uh, for listening in and uh, invite you to check us out on iTunes and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And, you know, if there's any of those uh, kids that know of, like, the secret programs and the secret, like, social networks that are out there that us adults don't know about yet, and if you could just let us know, like DM us or whatever, so we could get there first before these other stupid podcasts get out there. Or if you know what's the next thing after podcasts, we want to we want to be there too. If there's like if we get on lasers, like a virtual podcast, like like the virtual reality podcast. If if it's just like us coming over to your house and yelling, like <laughs> through the mail slot, we'll do that too. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. 
Well, this has been Michael with the Mount Rushmore Podcast. And I'm Richard. I'm Jeff. You know, today's Thanksgiving. No, it isn't. Fuck. <laughs> Let's pretend it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. You're doing what I do. It's just like my mind feels really hot right now. I'm sweating. <laughs> I know my mouth is talking.